I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Chapter 20. Bridges Ablaze. As the conversation with Chris unfolded, a stream of unsettling revelations flowed through her mind. Chris confirmed that he hadn't conversed with Legion since 2015, debunking the authenticity of those daily morning phone calls that once echoed through their routine. She recollected how Chris would pass on messages, likely fabricating conversations to maintain the charade. Their discussion meandered to familial ties, stirring memories of Chris's initial portrayal as a man of respectability, attributing his reverence for law enforcement to his father's legacy as a retired Philadelphia police officer and his mother's profession as a retired teacher. Yet, amid these supposed pillars of virtue lay a labyrinth of deceit. Struggling to reconcile the truth with the facade, she recounted Legion's claim about Chris's father's profession and his mother's teaching career. Each revelation deepened the chasm of betrayal, casting doubt on the foundation of trust she once thought unshakable. Chris sat calmly, his demeanor gracious and friendly. He attentively listened, his demeanor inviting. So, are you ready for me to shed some light on what's fact and what's fiction? He inquired gently. At this juncture, the narrator felt a sinking sensation, already anticipating a need to unwind after the call. With a resigned sigh, they consented. Go ahead. Chris proceeded to recount Legion's narrative. According to Legion, their father had retired as a police officer in Philadelphia before relocating with their mother to Augusta. Allegedly, they had established a church there where Legion had attended high school and been shown the founding grounds. However, Chris swiftly dispelled this version of events 
In Chris's version, their father had no connection to any church, let alone one in Augusta. That man never set foot in a church since his wedding day, Chris stated matter-of-factly. He portrayed their father as a man who indulged in vices, far from the image of a pastor. Furthermore, Chris clarified that their mother, far from being a retired teacher, had only worked as a substitute teacher briefly. Additionally, their father's occupation was not that of a retired police officer, but rather a truck driver who had also worked as a correctional officer at one point. Taken aback by this revelation, the narrator admitted their lack of awareness regarding these details. It was a moment of realization where the truth shattered the illusions they had unknowingly held. Now, the truth came to light. The father, a parent figure, never served in law enforcement. It's not a slight against correction officers. The distinction is important. The dad's main job wasn't in law enforcement, but as a truck driver. He'd embark on long journeys, hauling goods. Chris clarified this, sharing that their dad wasn't the type for such roles. To even suggest he was a pastor seemed laughable. The dad hadn't set foot in a church since marrying their mom. So the church legion claimed their parents founded was untrue. It seemed Legion's field trip was pointless. The narrator recounted their weekend to Chris, mentioning their job at a law enforcement agency. Chris expressed concern about Legion, hinting at past troubles. This piqued the narrator's curiosity. They hadn't checked Legion's criminal record yet. Chris advised them to do so, leaving them with a task to complete. Once more, she delved into the intricate web of family connections. He confided in her, revealing that he indeed had a daughter, born from a previous marriage that had since dissolved. She, in turn, shared her observations, recalling how Legion, her former spouse, would often mention his niece, Chris's daughter, and even send gifts on special occasions but confusion arose when he expressed uncertainty, stating firmly that his brother had never acknowledged his daughter's birthday in such a manner. Perplexed, she pressed on, mentioning the name Egypt as the alleged daughter's moniker, only to be met with bewilderment. He denied any association with the name and disavowed any knowledge of a daughter residing in St. Louis with his ex-wife. Attempting to clarify, she recounted a recent shopping excursion for children's shoes, under the assumption they were for his daughter. Yet, he refuted this, insisting it couldn't have been for his daughter, as she didn't live in St. Louis. Puzzled by the discrepancy, she recounted how she had mailed the shoes, the label bearing the name Egypt, presuming it to be Legion's niece. However, Chris remained adamant, disavowing any recognition of the name. Bewildered and uncertain, she found herself at a loss, unable to reconcile the truth behind the mysterious recipient of the girl's shoes 
ostensibly intended for her ex-husband's niece. Chris sat calmly, reflecting on the recent revelations. It was like a scene from the past repeating itself, echoing the words of his ex-wife. Whatever he told you is a lie, she had said. Now, those words resurfaced in his mind, spoken by someone else. It's hard to fathom, Chris admitted to his companions, his voice steady, but tinged with disbelief. To think that everything could be fabricated. There has to be some kernel of truth, doesn't there? He recounted the puzzling financial situation. How was he managing to pay the bills if he wasn't working at the condiment company? And if he had been fired, as he claimed, where was the money coming from? Chris paused, recalling their separate bank accounts. We never merged our finances. He wanted to, but I refused, insisting on seeing evidence of the offshore savings account he spoke of, which, as it turns out, never existed. Trying to make sense of it all, Chris reiterated, I know I saw his bank statements. There were funds there. There had to be some truth to it all. But as Chris relayed the conversation with his brother, a sense of resignation settled over him. He denied it all, Chris explained. Said everything his brother told me was fabricated. Those phone calls, the supposed family members like Egypt and Shante. He insisted they were inventions of his brother's imagination. With a heavy heart, Chris concluded, I'm sorry you had to endure this deception because of my brother's actions. And with that, they moved forward, bracing themselves for what lay ahead. As she sat down with the book bag, it was still July of 2021. Her curiosity got the best of her as she rifled through its contents. Among the papers in the bag, she found something unexpected. Another phone. Initially labeled as a work phone by her husband, it turned out to be merely a second personal device. This revelation struck her. She had assumed the company provided this phone, but it was actually a prepaid one, with receipts indicating regular payments for minutes. The realization hit her hard. Her husband had lied about the nature of the phone. It wasn't a work-related necessity, as he had claimed. Instead, it was a separate personal phone he had conveniently left behind. This secondary phone contrasted sharply with the primary one he always carried with him. As she delved deeper into its contents, she couldn't shake off the nagging question. How could he afford to maintain this phone when, just recently, he had been living out of his car? Driven by a mix of confusion and concern, she decided to explore further. Digging into the phone's folders, she stumbled upon a trove of deleted pictures. It was a lesson learned, exploring not just the surface, but also the hidden corners, could sometimes reveal unexpected truths. 
And in this case, the deleted folder of the secondary phone held the potential to unravel mysteries yet to be discovered. As she delved into the deleted pictures, a curious sight caught her eye. It appeared to be a snapshot of a bank account, showcasing the available balance. Another photo revealed a similar screenshot displaying savings. Puzzled, she considered two possibilities. Either the images were fabricated, or he had captured his own account details. This dilemma led her to explore a tool called Reverse Google Image Search. With a hint of skepticism, she initiated the reverse search. The results confirmed her suspicions, as some astute observers might have already deduced. The supposed real-time display of his finances, proudly exhibited by turning his phone around, was nothing but a reproduction sourced from the vast realm of Google Images. The same held true for the portrayal of his savings. His ostensible act of logging in was merely a charade, as he merely showcased screenshots he had procured from the internet. Unveiling the facade, she revealed how his elaborate charade crumbled under scrutiny. Even though doubts had already clouded her perception of his purported status as a VP regional manager, she embarked on a lighthearted exploration. She subjected the image of the charcoal BMW, touted as his company car, to the same reverse search. The outcome was unsurprising. It was merely another screenshot plucked from the depths of Google Images. Similarly, the grand residence he claimed to own in San Diego was nothing more than a digital phantom conjured from the virtual halls of Google's vast database. As the conversation progressed, it became increasingly apparent to her that the images displayed on his phone were not authentic representations of his life. Whether it was the bank accounts, the house, or even the luxurious BMW, all seemed to be merely lifted from Google images. In that moment, a realization dawned upon her. None of what she had seen was genuine. It wasn't a sudden burst of anger that overcame her. Rather, it was a profound sense of disbelief. She couldn't help but wonder how she had allowed herself to be enveloped in such a facade. Her thoughts raced as she grappled with the surreal nature of the situation. This wasn't just a case of someone stretching the truth. It was something far more unsettling. Despite her background in psychology, she had never encountered a pathological liar firsthand. She had read about them, learned their traits, but experiencing it firsthand was a whole different ordeal. Unlike compulsive liars who might offer justifications for their falsehoods, pathological liars operated on an entirely different level. There was no rhyme or reason to their lies, and they knew no bounds when it came to deception. It was a troubling realization, one that left her questioning everything she thought she knew about the person before her. 
amidst the unsettling realization that much of what she believed to be true was now called into question, she received an unexpected phone call from Aunt Augusta, a close friend of her late mother. Though not a blood relative, Augusta shared a deep bond with her mother. Despite warnings from Chris about Augusta, she decided to answer the call. Augusta's intentions were genuine. She simply wanted to understand the situation better, as she had been approached by Legion, seeking a place to stay. With kindness in her voice, Augusta inquired about what had transpired between her and her husband. Reluctantly, she disclosed that they were heading for a divorce due to his habitual dishonesty. The conversation took a somber turn when Augusta asked about the baby. Recalling their earlier visit to Augusta, where she had announced her pregnancy, she assumed her husband had informed Augusta about the miscarriage. To her dismay, she discovered he had kept this information from Augusta. So she shares with him. This is what she confides. Now they're unraveling another layer. She recounts how Legion, on multiple occasions while he's away at work, would journey to Augusta, claiming he was going to visit the church. The church, where allegedly the parents originated. The church founded by his parents. And he wonders, what's the deal with him going to Augusta? She explains, saying, I've seen him, like, four or five times. He's come down here, and every time, I've asked him to bring the baby. He's puzzled. What baby? She clarifies. The baby. The one you two had? He corrects her. No, ma'am. I had a miscarriage in June of 2020. She reacts. Oh, my God. Slipping into that tone of disbelief. She continues. This whole time, he told me that you two had a son in January, and I've been asking him for pictures. I've been asking him to bring both of you down here so I could meet him, and he always had an excuse as to why he wouldn't bring the baby. She adds, And the last time he was in Augusta, he said that he was leaving you, and he was taking the baby with him, and that you were at work. I am not making this up. That is what that woman told me. He calmly denies, No, ma'am, none of that is true. There is no baby. I had no idea he was going to Augusta. The story continues from here. As the conversation with Aunt Margaret progressed, the weight of deception settled heavily on Clara's shoulders. She couldn't fathom the depth of Legion's deceit. Aunt Margaret, with her gentle demeanor, relayed startling news. Legion had been spinning a tale about them having a son. Clara's heart sank at the revelation. I'm sorry, Auntie, but there's been a misunderstanding, Clara interjected her voice trembling. We never had a baby. Aunt Margaret nodded, her expression a mix of concern and disbelief. He's been telling folks about the baby, you know. 
Some even sent gifts, thinking they were celebrating a birth. Clara's mind raced. How could Legion weave such an elaborate lie? I had no idea, she confessed, feeling a wave of betrayal crashing over her. He wants to stay with me, Aunt Margaret continued, her wrinkled hands fidgeting with worry. But I'm not sure if it's a good idea. I don't want to be dragged into his divorce mess again. Clara's brow furrowed with confusion. Again? She repeated, seeking clarity. You mean, like his past marriage? Aunt Margaret shook her head. No, dear. I'm talking about Latoya Latania. The first one, she clarified. I don't know much about his other ex. Clara's mind raced back to her previous discoveries. What happened with Latoya? She inquired, her voice tinged with apprehension. I remember finding some records, mentioning a temporary protection order during their divorce. Aunt Margaret's eyes widened in surprise. Oh my, she murmured, her gaze distant as she processed the newfound information. The phone rang, and it was Auntie on the line, her voice carrying a sense of urgency. She had to appear in court, she said, to testify on behalf of Legion concerning a temporary protective order. Curious, the listener inquired about what had transpired. Auntie explained that Legion and his spouse had a heated argument during which she had slapped him. When asked about the cause of the altercation, Auntie revealed that Legion had deceived his wife about something significant, sparking the confrontation. Apparently, the altercation had escalated, with the wife almost getting the better of Legion. Consequently, he sought legal protection through a temporary protective order. The listener now grasped the backstory behind the issuance of the TPO. Assuring Auntie that Miss Christie would handle it, the listener emphasized that there was no need for worry. Legion had already taken steps to resolve the matter amicably by signing the necessary paperwork. The listener made it clear that they weren't interested in escalating the situation and urged Auntie to use her discretion regarding who she allowed into her home. However, they admitted to still uncovering the extent of Legion's deception. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. 
Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. As she sat by the window, contemplating the future, her friend offered a comforting suggestion. If having him around brings you peace, why not welcome him into your home? She sighed softly. Her decision already made. I'm moving forward with the divorce. Once it's done, I want nothing to do with him. Expressing her regret, she added, I'm sorry he deceived you, playing on your emotions with talk of a baby. There is no baby. Curious, her friend asked. So, you're really going through with the divorce? With a respectful tone, she affirmed, Yes, ma'am. We are. We truly are. As they ended the call, thoughts swirled in her mind. Amidst it all, Legion occasionally reached out. Unbeknownst to him, she had gathered information from his ex-wife, brother, and female cousin. The truth was unraveling. There was no sister, no baby, and no high-ranking job. Despite his charm and supposed wealth, Reality was beginning to surface. In the hushed tones of a whispered secret, the story unfolds. It's like piecing together a puzzle, gathering bits of truth amidst a sea of uncertainty. The narrator, let's call her Lily, ponders over the situation, trying to make sense of it all. Lily muses, that perhaps the bills weren't exorbitant, and he managed to scrape enough together to cover them, enough to sustain himself, yet he chose to reside with her. A peculiar choice, she ponders, given his apparent financial independence. Then there's the incident with the car payment, a falsehood uncovered. A deception laid bare. It's a thread in the tapestry of deceit that's being woven before Lily's eyes, gradually revealing the true nature of the man she thought she knew. Despite the fog of uncertainty, Lily clings to what little truths she can grasp. His name, his birth date, scattered fragments of his past. Yet even these seem fragile like delicate glass ready to shatter at the slightest touch. And then Legion, as he calls himself, reaches out for money. A plea disguised as a request, a temporary fix until payday arrives. Lily finds herself on the phone with him, the recorder capturing every word exchanged. It's here that she confronts him, gently but firmly peeling back the layers of his fabrications. The twin brother he claimed not to talk about, 
the job loss attributed to a dubious tale involving a truck driver. The unsettling rumor of a phantom baby whispered to his aunt's ears. Each question met with denial or deflection, adding another layer to the tangled web of deceit. Yet Lily senses the truth lurking in the shadows, waiting to be uncovered. And so the saga continues. A quiet battle of wits and wills played out in the confines of their conversations. Lily, determined to unravel the mysteries surrounding this enigmatic figure known as Legion, holds steadfast to the belief that somewhere amidst the lies, the truth will emerge. So then I asked him if he was ever in trouble where he's been arrested. And he said, yeah, I've been arrested as a juvenile, but my father had my record expunged. I said, were you ever arrested as an adult? He said, no, I never been arrested as an adult. I said, so you never went to weekend jail? He said, no, I don't even know what that is. So he doesn't know what weekend jail is. That's, that's his story. And so he was still, he was still standing by the lies he told me. So finally, I just asked him, and this is where I, let me just say it. I asked him, why the hell did you even marry me? Like, why? Why did you even marry me? Because you easily could have just stayed dating or been the boyfriend or just moved on, moved on with your life. Like, you didn't have to marry me. You didn't have to pull me in into a marriage and make me think that this is what you wanted. This is what he said to me on that phone call. He said, I had to marry you. And I was like, no, you didn't. He said, yes, I did. He said, I knew full well from day one that there was no way you were going to stay my girlfriend for longer than a year. He said, I knew it. He said, I knew. In order to keep you, I was going to have to marry you, y'all. My jaw hit the ground. I could not believe he said that. And he said it so matter of fact. And I was like, that is the most fucked up thing you could ever say. In the ongoing saga of revelations, the footage viewers witnessed earlier had been captured just hours ago. Acknowledging this fact, the narrator found themselves at a crossroads. They grappled with the choice of proceeding with their tale, honoring their commitment, or vanishing entirely as the weight of recent events bore down on them. Ultimately, they resolved to forge ahead. Expressing the difficulty of recounting their experiences, the narrator emphasized the emotional toll inherent in sharing such a deeply personal narrative. Despite the story's newfound viral status, they underscored the arduousness of revisiting painful memories and confronting internal struggles. However, they remained steadfast in their decision to impart their story, clinging to the hope that it might resonate with even a single individual. Acknowledging the anticipation of their audience for the next installment, the narrator expressed gratitude for their patience and understanding. 
they empathized with the eagerness of their audience, recognizing that, were they in their shoes, they too would eagerly await the next chapter. Yet, they confessed that the day's tribulations had taken a toll on their resolve. Turning back to the timeline of events, the narrator recounted their interactions with various individuals, including Chris, the brother, and an aunt. They recounted conducting a private investigation into their spouse's past, independent of any professional resources, clarifying that they had not enlisted the aid of their workplace they stressed the importance of discretion. Their efforts revealed a troubling criminal history, punctuated by charges ranging from trespassing to impersonating law enforcement, a revelation that shattered any illusions of their spouse's integrity. In the midst of it all, in that particular courthouse, the narrator felt compelled to delve deeper with a background in law enforcement, they couldn't resist the urge to unearth the truth behind the peculiar arrest. So, they submitted another request for the incident report, eager to unravel the circumstances. Upon receiving the report, the narrator was taken aback, to say the least. Their respect for law enforcement magnified their astonishment. Having been part of a commendable agency, they were startled by the revelations within the report. From what they could gather, the individual in question had masqueraded as an officer, wielding a badge belonging to their father, a former correction officer. Their attempt to pose as a police officer unfolded at a southern Atlanta apartment complex. Their actions included falsely identifying themselves as an investigator on a drug hunt, attempting unauthorized searches, and even intruding into a woman's residence. Coincidentally, the woman they tried to accost happened to be associated with, or perhaps was employed by, a local police department. She promptly reached out to her colleagues seeking assistance. And so, he found himself in handcuffs, taken into custody, and later charged with a crime. This was the revelation she stumbled upon while reviewing his criminal record. Reflecting on it, she realized that had she known about his past, their first date might never have happened. Certain things, she mused, were best left untouched if she had any inkling of them from the start. What did this discovery imply? She pondered over the lies and truths entangled in their interactions. One thing she could confirm without a doubt, his claim of having a passport to whisk her away to London for the elections was unfounded. She knew instinctively it was a falsehood when he spoke of being a registered voter in California, claiming to have done it all online. But now, in the clarity of hindsight, she could affirm that he never possessed a passport, nor had he ever voted. 
small yet meaningful details to her. This realization carried weight. Not only had he been arrested in the past, likely during his youth, which she dismissed as irrelevant, but now she comprehended why he seemed so familiar with the county. She recalled her earlier suspicions about his knowledge of the area, attributed to visits to his sister and parents in Augusta, Georgia, flying in from California. The pieces of his story began to fit together, painting a clearer picture of his past and his present. In a calm and reflective tone, let's delve into a story about a peculiar revelation. It all started with a moment of introspection regarding a checkered past. And then there was this incident, a memory resurfacing from the time she underwent a polygraph test. The examiner posed a question, asking if she harbored any relationships with individuals carrying a criminal record. It's like recalling an old scene, the nerves, the uncertainty. She recollects her response, a candid admission tinged with a hint of bewilderment. My spouse and I share an unusual bond, she had confessed. Honestly, I can't say. Little did she know what lay ahead. Fast forward to a pivotal moment in July, when reality dealt a surprising blow. It turned out, amidst everything else, her partner had a criminal past. Imagine the shock, the disbelief. She emphasizes, almost in disbelief herself, the sheer randomness of it all. The grace of a higher power, perhaps, that led her to disclose her uncertainty during that polygraph. I had no inkling about his history, she mused, still grappling with the revelation. Saying I didn't know the man I married would be an understatement. A colossal understatement, really. Some may interject, pointing out the brevity of their courtship before they found themselves confined together. She acknowledges this, owning up to her role in the unfolding narrative. Yes, the timeline was short, she concedes, but the magnitude of my unawareness eclipses that. Night after night, she had shared a bed with a stranger, oblivious to the truth. It's a sobering realization, one that lingers long after the initial shock subsides. As the warm days of July gave way to the breezy embrace of August, a sense of uncertainty lingered in the air. It was during this time that Legion, a significant presence in her life, seemed to vanish into thin air. The final decree for the divorce she had been awaiting was still pending. With 30 long days stretching before her, like an endless expanse of time. Despite the weight of her discoveries and the urge to confront him, she chose a path of civility, hoping to navigate the impending storm with grace. Initiating a call on a quiet Monday, she reached out to him, her voice a gentle beacon in the silence. But as the days passed, the echo of his absence grew louder, swallowing her hopes like shadows in the night. Days turned into a week, 
and still, there was no sign of him. His phone remained silent, a hollow vessel echoing her unanswered questions. Concern gnawed at her heart as she realized the truth. He was nowhere to be found. His presence reduced to the confines of a car. Yet, despite the uncertainty, she held onto a flicker of hope, praying for his safe return. There was a person who decided to search for their friend Legion on Facebook. Despite Legion mentioning having several siblings, the truth seemed different. Yet, the storyteller recalled meeting Legion's brother in Augusta and Baltimore. They had real interactions, like hugs and handshakes. Wanting to connect, the storyteller reached out to people Legion often spoke about. Friend Omar, the brother in Augusta, the brother in Baltimore, and another cousin. They searched for these names on Facebook, hoping for news of Legion. The brother in Augusta replied, expressing concern as he hadn't heard from Legion and couldn't reach him by phone. Knowing Legion was living in their car, the storyteller tried not to panic. They then messaged the brother in Baltimore, who had spoken to Legion via speakerphone in the past. This detail was significant, indicating some form of contact as recent as 2020. In the quiet of a summer evening, he recounted the tale once more. Legion, according to him, chatted incessantly, yet he distinctly remembered hearing Legion's voice over the phone back in the year 2020. Have you spoken to him? He inquired of his friend from Baltimore. The response came solemnly. No, I haven't. He's in debt to me, so I've chosen to sever ties. There's nothing left to discuss. Perplexed, he paused to digest this revelation. But wait, he interjected. I thought you two were like brothers. The reply came with a heavy sigh. He may be like a brother, but our bond is strained by his debts. We haven't exchanged words in over six months now. The realization sank in. All those conversations they thought were real in 2021 were nothing but illusions. Determined to unravel the truth, he decided to reach out to Omar, a mutual acquaintance. Recalling the narrative of their long-standing friendship dating back to their days in California, he dialed Omar's number. Have you heard from Legion lately? He inquired, introducing himself. Omar's response was swift and decisive, etching itself into his memory. No, came the curt reply. I've had no dealings with him whatsoever. We aren't friends, and I'd prefer not to be bothered about him again. The stark contrast between the stories he'd been told and Omar's disavowal left him with more questions than answers. Could it be that the man he thought was his best friend was merely a figment of his imagination? In a surprising turn of events, they hadn't communicated for ages. There was an estrangement between them. He didn't engage with him anymore. So, moving on, they 
reached out to someone else, a female cousin they knew. When asked if she had any news about him, she seemed genuinely puzzled. Why would I hear from him? She questioned, clearly taken aback by the sudden inquiry. It was odd to her that they were reaching out after such a long silence, asking, Hey, have you heard from my soon-to-be ex-husband? During those two weeks of searching for answers, they made it a point to contact everyone they knew who had some connection with him. Whether he claimed they were friends, had conversations with them, or spent time together, they sought them out. The brother in Baltimore, who supposedly visited their house while they were at work, denied ever doing so. Each person they contacted seemed to be aware of his deceitful nature, and it seemed they all felt sorry that they were just now realizing what they had known for years. It was a sobering revelation during those two weeks. Every single person they reached out to showed no concern for his well-being. Not a single one cared whether he was alive or dead. Their attitude was clear. No, I haven't heard from him, and I don't care to. Some even expressed outright. It was a moment of deep sadness for them, realizing that this man had no true friends. Despite his claims, they were now able to see the truth. He was alone. No one seemed bothered that they hadn't heard from or seen him in over two weeks. Some, not even for months. And one person, not for years. None of them showed any concern. In the winding tale of his life, it became clear that he had severed connections with nearly everyone. Family ties, friendships, even bonds with those he once called brother or sister, aunt or uncle, had all been scorched. It was a revelation that spoke volumes. Sure, whispers of his deceit had reached ears, but the stark truth was that no one seemed to care for him. Not a soul. Though he hadn't met every last relative, the mere fact that he resorted to living in his car, neglecting basic hygiene, and vanishing without a trace, was startling. Where had he disappeared to for those two long weeks, you might wonder? Well, it turns out he had admitted himself to a mental health facility in Augusta. Why, you ask? Was it to seek aid for his troubles? Not quite. Picture July in Georgia, the heat oppressive, the air thick with sweat and humidity. He sought refuge in the hospital, not for solace, but for the luxury of a bed and shelter from the sweltering nights. Upon checking in, his phone was confiscated, leaving him out of reach. And by out of reach, I mean unreachable to me. He sought sanctuary in a hospital solely to escape the discomfort of sleeping in his car. If only for a fleeting fortnight. That, dear listener, was the caliber of person I found myself entangled with. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.